Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi. Um, thrilled that Rusty Keeler is going to be on this episode with me. Hi, Rusty. Hi, Heather. (laughs) Um, so a lot of people listening will already know who you are and you've been on another episode, but, um, but what, what do you want people to know about you? Why should they listen to you? Rusty? Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, they don't have to, (laughs) um, yeah, well, so I'm in the play world. And I come at it, uh, you know, through design and I design, I'm interested in nature and children and play and risky play. And so I design natural place spaces, natural outdoor playscapes. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that for a long, long time, long before my beard was gray. Um, but now it is. And I've done some books and traveled around the world talking to people about play and seeing a whole wide range of kinds of environments and perspectives on play and comfort levels with risky play and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I'm in it like you and, and the rest of everybody here. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, uh, and so I just have to say too, it was so nice to, to meet you in real life uh, when we were both at IPA. USA and Texas, yeah. just to plug that conference and to plug their work. I'll mention that yeah. too. Awesome. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, it's just nice to meet people in real life that you've only seen in a Zoom screen or on Facebook, you know, or, or whatever. So, um, yeah. So yeah. Was fun. Yeah. Well, it was funny because I, it didn't feel like I hadn't met you in person. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you, you're pretty real. We're, we're real on the podcast. So. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, so you wrote a book. Couple yeah. of, came out yeah. a couple of years ago um yeah. called adventures in risky play what is your yes i'll do this for the people who see the video <laughs> which i appreciate this book so much it's really helped me um and helps me talk to other people uh so so today though um let me just do the quote before i start just talking and rambling about the book here's the quote we decided to start with and this is from very early in the book um and you it's a long one so bear with me everybody you said um i also understand that in a modern world full of pressures and constraints on children's time in and out of school something as obvious as play needs some scientific support and lobbying from adults who care enough to recognize that somehow without us looking good old-fashioned free play has been limited sidelined sublimated and even decimated for way too many children in our busy, high-achieving, overstimulated, overscheduled, overprotected, overly biased, overly adult-oriented view of what children should be doing, accomplishing, competing, and completing. Um, 
and and I just want listeners to know I did try to convince Rusty to read this in beat poet form. Yeah. Uh, and he refused. So uh, do what you want with that. And then um, he told me to do it. And I also refused. <laughs> I don't know. You, you kind of got it there. Uh, it would have to be. Um, uh, where's the good part? You have to do limited sideline. Ed. <laughs> That's yes. how it goes in my mind. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, um, let me get the bongos out. Yeah. <laughs> I should have worn all black. Um Anyway, so the reason that this this one stood out and that I asked you to come on and, and talk about this this specific idea is that um, I've been, I mean, I'm always reading and thinking and, and talking about play, but um, as I try to uh, uh, write, write my own book about it, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. there's been conversations where where people are say to me, um, we need to stop defending play. We we just need to to do it, and um, and uh, the more we defend it, the more it seems like, you know, we we protest too much. Maybe um, I, I'm not articulating it as well as I want to, but there is an idea out there that by defending play and being so vocal about it, we send maybe an opposite message to what we we want to send. And what you said here is no, it's too important. We have to. Um, uh, uh, we have to have that scientific support and lobbying. Sorry, it took me a minute to find the language I wanted from the quote. Um, and, and that it takes adults who care enough to recognize what's been happening, um, to play. So with that, I'll stop talking for a minute and let you talk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can, I can see both both points of view there for sure and I you know I think like my what I wrote I think right before that was something like as far as I'm concerned play it play for its own sake is is perfectly fine and I am all for that and I don't need to know I don't need to know what they're learning in fact my limited mind I can't even perceive all the millions, billions of things that are really going on when children are digging in sand or adding water or having make-believe or climbing a tree or any of it. Like uh, in some ways, anytime you put like a, a label to try to like show what play is, uh, that completely limits what's mm-hmm. like what's really going on. If we're like saying, well, they're they're learning science because they're you know floating leaves in water in the sand area, um, you know, okay, yes, but you know, like I said, there's there's millions of things going on. There's neurons happening. This 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 is like this ripe time, early childhood time, uh, of like so many connections being happening that are on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. So and, and I, you know, believing that play is like the natural way that we as humans or mammals or, you know, extended life on the planet, that is like the natural flow of existence and growth and development. So, so, so why do you believe that? Why do you believe that that's the natural flow and the, the, the way it happens with children? Yeah. I think one way from watching it, right? (laughs) You're just watching it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and children, uh, you know, left, left with some space from adults and adult 
driving home things, mm-hmm. uh, you just see that they are growing and there's a natural curiosity and wonder and exploration or timidity or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and rites of passage and, and milestones. And, you know, it, you just see that as a natural, yeah. natural thing, let alone like my own childhood, my own learning or my own, even when in, in like, oh, even in high school, like with the best teachers I had were like playful uh-huh. and they made like the learning, it was playful playful uh-huh. learning yeah yeah so yeah so I think yeah. just from like yeah, the other observational sure so um th- this calls me back to I'll, I'll use the word argument but it wasn't ever an argument um when when Dan Hodgins who I miss so much um uh, mm-hmm. And I used to talk about play and learning and his question was always, well, why does it have to be about learning? Why do we need to bring that in? And, um, yeah. you know, the, and, and that sort of kind of what, what you said, you're right in the paragraph before this quote in your book is that, okay, for me, play is enough. I, I just believe in, and I'm talking about me now, not quoting you. Um, <laughs> I just believe children deserve it. Like it's, it's about happiness and childhood and um, uh, uh, children's human rights for me. Um, But I also know that young children are learning all the time. So, so, so we do have to talk about the learning that can be happening during children's play is how I wanted to, to sort of preface that, but you're right again. Um, and I, and I think I said this, um, when I was talking about schema play at IPA, um, there's hubris in us saying as adults that we know what children are learning, that we know specifically and definitely what's happening when children play. Um, so I don't, I don't, do you have thoughts about, about that? Well, right. We, I mean, we can, you can observe like when real learning happens, like, oh, they're building a dam and when they they learn that when they put you know extra mud behind the block <laughs> that sticks you know uh-huh. and, and then trial and error and they and they learned but yeah lear- I, I mean i think i think it's learning is part of our conversation because it's we're sort of in an education mm-hmm. setting or conversation with early childhood education or then you know as kids children get older to elementary you know I don't know. It's like, you have to, you have to say that it's learning so that, yeah, that so that parents, adults think it's important. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it is part of that lobbying that, that you talked about in the quote that we're lobbying for children. And that's, we have to figure out like a lobbyist has to know what's going to be of interest to the person whose mind they're trying to change. Yeah. You know, so if, Um, again, like when I, when I talk about, uh, schemas and children play children's play and using that to advocate for play, I talk about the crowds that we're addressing. Like there's the parent crowd and there's the, um, the neuroscience crowd and the early academic crowd. And, and, and if we want to try and bring them sort of more towards play, we have to know what they already value and what kind of language is going to be important to them. Uh, what kind of vocabulary might be, you know, uh, impactful when we're having those conversations. Yeah. And that's one of the 
great things about play and sort of the funny things about play is that you can fit it into any <laughs> of the categories, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you can talk to the you know people who are interested in brain development. You can talk about to STEM people. You can talk to it about social emotional people. You can talk mm -hmm. about math, science, you know, the benefits of all that stuff. It fits yeah. in all those categories and, yeah. and for writing grants or to, you know, to, to getting people on your side for play, it does. And, and it, and it truly does fit all those things yeah. because it is all happening. Right. But like when they take another step back and you talk about like children's rights in some way, we're kind of like, just trying to hold space mm -hmm. for children. I don't like to say, I don't really talk about learning. I don't like, I don't like to personally. And, and then it's this idea of play, but even play, you know, that's another thing. We could have a long conversation about the word play mm -hmm. and all the different, you know, connotations it has for people. Mm -hmm. But really what we're talking about is children being. Yeah. Yeah. being they're being and and as they are being they are growing and they're with with other children or with they're with adults or they're in the natural world or the the unnatural world they are they are changing as we watch them you know yeah. in, in terms of development and 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 being having space having space to be you know so in some ways like a play worker in the adventure playgrounds and in Europe and here where often their job is sometimes to take the parents to the side to get the parents <laughs> out of there be like hey could you help me lift this stuff or I'm uh -huh. with a wheelbarrow so that you, the kids can have this space to themselves and maybe in some ways for us lobbying for this trying to sell it trying to reassure people that this is okay or here's all the things you can check your boxes because all the schools and early childhood developers or directors and preschools and everything they they need to check their boxes right so it's almost like we can hand them the help them with the language to say well you are checking those boxes mm -hmm. for the people that you they need to answer to and meanwhile for the child they are having more time, space, and materials to, to be and grow and exist and awaken to mm -hmm. the, their life on the planet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I like that. I, I, I really like that idea of holding space for them to just be. Um, in fact, I like it so much. I can't think of what the next thing I was going to say. <laughs> I got kind of swept away um, listening to that. But I, I think mm -hmm. the word play just of in and of itself has I don't know it feels like it's become divisive um like people are getting more territorial um about their practice and um hmm, what how do I want to say this or are co-opting the word play um to still fit into their adult-led uh, sort of structured, maybe even academic practices there. So that's where we see things like guided play and scaffolded play and um, uh, play with a purpose. Uh, they, they aren't really necessarily moving more towards the kind of play you and I are talking about, but they've realized the importance of using the language. And that's interesting to me. Um, it feels like a shift. Um, but I, I don't know. What do you think about yep. the... You mean that more people are saying play or talking yeah, about play yeah. or using play as a part of their story? Yeah. But I don't know that it's always really a change 
in practice. Like we were really good in early childhood, uh, uh, just in early childhood in general about changing the name, but not necessarily the game as, as different ideas become right. more, more popular. And I feel like I'm seeing that with play. You know, I'm just saying, like, yeah. for, for me, I, I grew up in the kind of the seventies and the eighties. Sure. Like I was early childhood Same. in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> and first grade, like, but it was like, I was aware, I wasn't completely aware because I didn't know, but in another sense, I was aware that there were like alternative things going on mm -hmm. and people were like, seemed like they were honoring play and kind of alternative forms of education or there was a real time of, you know, I guess maybe it was kind of like Pat, the post hippie movement that where mm -hmm. they were incorporating things like my first grade teacher introduced us to like uh, sprouts and our sandwiches. You yes. Know? And, and there's a piano. <laughs> there's a piano in our first yeah. grade class. And the, 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 the desks were all all over the place. So there's carpets and, and, you know, the big, huge wooden spools in the classroom. And you could, you know, so, so it felt like at that time, like, oh, they get it that it's, that it's like organic and that, uh -huh. that children, you know, looking at how children really maybe function in, in, in broader ways than just lined yeah. up. Then of course, <laughs> I don't know, it tightened up. And, and then, yeah. and even now I, I struggle with at least, you know, my children, I have young children, they're now, they're elementary, uh, but still how sometimes elementary still feels like this 1950s thing. And then mm -hmm. to try to get play at that level, right there, yeah, cram in there and, and open it up because all, you know, children of all ages past early childhood, yeah. you know, need all those kind of opportunities. Yeah. So, so maybe I need to clarify what I was thinking um, for the, just for anyone who's listening, who like, I don't know, is feeling defensive about what I just said about the <laughs> modifiers. But so I think in like kindergarten, first, second grade, which is still part of early childhood. And I tend to, when I use early childhood, I tend to be thinking only about birth to five, because that's my context. Um, <laughs> those those modifiers become a tool of advocacy because they are in a system where they don't have as much freedom so maybe the people in those settings who are talking about guided play or scaffolded play um play with a purpose have to do that to be able to try and fit more play into those structures um that for a variety of reasons are becoming much less playful or have been much less playful for a long time. But in early childhood settings, I feel like it's a different connotation for me when, I mean, early childhood, like birth to five, where when people are talking about scaffolded play and play with a purpose, they're, they're, it's more that they're advocating for their adult led practices. Oh, uh -huh. that was just me brainstorm, you know, just yes, yeah. whatever. So yeah. I, don't, I guess I don't know if that made sense. Yeah. Like play, when they have when they use play or, or people use play is adult led versus child led yeah uh and and i think sometimes that gets confusing because teachers feel like well i i need to be doing something or right. i need to be teaching or i need to find teachable moments or you know and we believe in play but is it it was it your idea as the adult was it you directing it was it you even or are you you know playful or and that often, you know, steers the play uh -huh. and then, and children can be fine with that or they go along with it or they realize, okay, this person's the boss, the head of the thing <laughs> here, so I'm following them. Yeah. Uh, but 
I think what you and I are talking about are more like that kind of freedom of yeah. the flow, the natural flow of play where we adults don't, we have no idea. We could, yeah. we, you know, you just, it's in some ways you, you support it, but you stand back and be amazed. Right. But then also, I think this is, I've been getting to this place with, with risky play, the idea yeah. of risky play and talking about, you know, where people's comfort levels are and all this kind of stuff. How do you allow play to happen and things that make you nervous? Yeah. And, and so I, I, I'm interested in, in, I became fascinated kind of by where everybody is on kind of the spectrum of comfort and all this. Yeah. But the more I see play or see adults being with play in really good ways that I love, it's almost like the risky play is just, that's just the, the doorway. That's just the letting kids, to letting kids really be. Uh-huh. And in some ways it, then it's like, the good the bad and the ugly or the scary or the or the whatever mm-hmm. um and then that i feel like that is where the real life happens once the adults aren't just being like no don't do that don't do that you're gonna get hurt you're gonna poke your eye out you're gonna or whatever once we can as adults can like okay be comfort and comfortable in ourselves and confident in ourselves then when children are playing or being then that's to me that's where the the magic is happens Mm -hmm. for children their imaginations what they create but also i think then that really shifts what the adult's role is when they're working with children from just being this gate uh, police person or this protector Uh to like helping them navigate because things come up when suddenly children have the freedom to just be well there's going to be conflict and Uh there's going to be questions so there's you know and especially the early childhood world to me that's i think is that social social emotional of like well then how the teacher then can be helping children to navigate some of the sticky things that are gonna you know all so that that happen when children are being and that to me that's the beauty and the kind of the spirit that i love of the early childhood world but it's almost like if we can yeah you know, I'll just let that sit for. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got me again, man. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, I, but I, I wrote down two little notes of things I want to kind of hit again. So I realized as, as I was talking a minute ago that I'm sort of using child-led play when I mean free play, when I mean just like, because I feel like when we talk about child-led play, the adult still is maybe too involved or or feels like like we're watching the child but it's still us getting in there and doing something with what we see that makes it valuable does that make sense where we're talking about just free play just being we don't have to be involved as as much Mm. see this is what happens um i get a good guest who who makes me go in all different directions and i can't (laughs) uh i can't tell if i'm making any sense or if i'm just um, just spitting out words. Uh, so anyway, I'll just put a pin in that. Never mind. Don't feel like you have to do oh, anything no, with no. that. Oh, I need no, to no. think hey, about I that more. To see where it's going here. Yeah, just so. So, so I that... feel like childlet is good. I'm not. I'm. It's. Hmm. I don't know. I'm thinking about the adult role and what you said about how adults feel like they need to be doing something to be teachers or they don't quite know what their role is when we're talking about children just being and uh yeah I need sorry I need to think about that more <laughs> no, no. I mean 
<clears throat> there is a uh, there's a center in Ithaca where I live that were, where both my boys went through corner of the sky. Uh-huh. And there's pictures, there's pictures in this book. There's pictures, of maybe all my books of, uh-huh. of what they do because I love it so much. And the two women that, that run it um, are just, they are incredible. And, and they are so like on, mm-hmm. but there's like zero suffocation of the child's, needs or the child's what they want to do they really the children have really complete freedom uh-huh. until there's like real danger or there's real conflict but sure. i just feel like it's like the adult that i when i when i see the stuff you know the work that i really love it's it's like completely honoring the children uh-huh. and honoring where they're going and supporting them and and knowing that all children are work they're working it out on like a deep a deep level more than <laughs> are they going to slip off that log yeah. or are they going to you know they might yeah you know on that level they might but when they when they you know get in conflict with a friend over something and they they need a little support working it out that's i think that's the beauty of when the person comes in with their heart and with love and and yeah awareness and their creative intelligence to to in a loving way help them support them and that's such a different way of thinking about the phrase intentional teaching which is a phrase I use and love a lot um, but it can be used um more academically but but when I listen to you there I'm thinking about intention being entirely different where we're just waiting until we're really truly seeing that they need something from us and that's where our intention comes in and that's where all the learning that we've done and the skill that we've developed over our careers or you know those things we feel like we're wasting when children are just playing um that's where that can really come into play is when our observation shows us that there really is a need in that moment and we can intentionally choose how to respond yeah yeah. And if you're, if you're tuned in, if you're like really tuned in and you, you really take that job seriously, like you even know, like moments before you can, you can feel things <laughs> when you're like, I think I'll just move a little closer right. to these two or these. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like this swirl of intuition. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that you've mentioned several times is just the idea of observing um, and you've mentioned it as you're talking about play in a broader uh, sort of context, but what 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 does observing, what do you mean when you talk about observing and, and then deciding? Um, because a lot, again, a lot of us in early childhood, if we've taken classes, gone to trainings about observing, it's really still very structured. And it's like, we're observing at a specific time because reports are due or we're observing at a specific time because we um, it's time for parent-teacher conferences. But I feel like what you're talking is about daily, all the time, in the moment, paying mm-hmm. close attention. The teacher, the adult observing children yeah. Yeah. Of play in the moments. And yeah. Yes, yes. And, and and the adult's role in that situation, right? It, 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 <laughs> It, it could go in a million billion different ways yeah. different directions right you could get pulled into the play um you could be asked to lift something you could you know you might be you know have to do it with what i was saying before about help, helping some social emotional kinds of things mm-hmm. but i think i think when we step back to 
you know, this kind of like the lobbying for risky play or really with, which is just lobbying for play, mm-hmm. um, which is really lobbying just for being. Right? Yeah. Okay. Love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, we, the observation helps people see what the reality of a situation is when something makes us nervous <clears throat> compared to what we, our worries or our fears are. Mm-hmm. I'm been interested in that of like, we see a child with a stick and we could fear, you know, you'll poke your eye out. It's, it's a weapon. We don't have weapons at school, you know, or <laughs> you're going to hurt somebody or rules or the things that we think are rules or what we think our other teacher's going to say or what our director's going to say or what we think licensing is going to say. And then, you know, what stops us from allowing play to happen or that stick? Like, like everything we do in our life, like it's this mind that we have that, that, is both protective and helps us uh, and is creative, but then also sometimes blocks the real flow of what can be happening. And I think early childhood settings are great, such a great example of this and the difference between reacting to our fears and stopping stuff versus observing Mm -hmm. and observe. Okay. With that child with a stick, just watch for a a second to (laughs) one, 1,000, two, 1,000. Oh, okay. They're not hitting somebody they're in control. They look like they're purposeful. They're going to do something. Uh, oh, they're using it to stir some imaginary pot of stew or goulash <laughs> or poison, you know? Yes. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, gosh. well, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I just observed instead of just stopped it. Yeah. Or, yeah, or, yeah. So I think just watching and, and some of it is also just when you observe, it's also like the beauty of seeing just child development happening there in front of you and and what happens day to day and to see you know also with you know your own children and or you know the the moments that we have and our own selves or and and what an honor to be part of that like to to be able that's what I think all the time whenever if I have an opportunity and I don't work directly with children anymore to my sorrow (laughs) you know I'm just working with adults at the college and um uh whenever I have a moment to just be in a space where children are are being children and and are experiencing that that flow of play and I have the you know I have the knowledge to attach you know, attach what I see to child development or whatever. Um, I, I, I do. I just feel like that's such a tremendous honor to be allowed to be part of that. And um, it's sort of humbling for me uh, to, to just see that happen. Um, and I compare that to where I was early in my career when I felt like I needed to be in control of everything. And um, learning only happened if, if, um, if it was something that I had planned and was leading, um, I'm I'm just grateful for the journey <laughs> to have to have started there and learned what I learned from there, and yeah. and now be in a space where I can just be in awe of of what's unfolding in front of me without a whole lot of action from me, explicit action, I guess I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Uh. Oh gosh, I had a question and it's gone. Um, so before we started recording, I I I ran another quote by you um, from later in the book, and this is when you're talking about being barefoot in programs. 
letting children be barefoot. Oh yeah. Um, and so the the context is that in in this bit, you're specifically talking about um, sort of defending that to to outsiders or people who might not be on the same page with us. Um, and you you said. Um, to put the world right side up, we need to move away from old ways of thinking. The children can't do it for themselves. They shouldn't have to. We need to speak up for children. We need to find the ways to make it right. Um, so can I ask you just to talk a little bit about that? Not, you know, specific yeah. input, that's fine, but just overall thinking about play. Yeah, no, this is good. Good to think about. Um, yeah, like what is our adult role to support to support play, to support children, to support the rights of children? And, you know, a lot of times I, I think it's, I'm saying like sometimes the work is the unglamorous stuff, mm -hmm. uh, the stuff around the edges, you know, to, to enable children to be, again, if we keep coming back to that, for them to play, for them to grow, to them to have that freedom and it's almost not even like freedom. They should just be able to be. Yeah. So, but it takes a lot of a work by the adults around the edges that isn't even directly connected to the children. It's talking to parents so that they understand yeah. what this philosophy is about allowing children to play or take risks or get a little dirty or be barefoot. <laughs> uh, you know, getting on the same page with other teachers, talking to the licensor, you know, to, to show that you have you've, you've done risk benefit analysis and mindfully making these decisions to have fallen logs. And it's not an accident. We are doing this mindfully yeah. or, you know, it's just like changing kids. Out, I think about this like out of their muddy clothes or into their money, you know. Oh my gosh, what a pain in the butt. We only were outside for 10 minutes, but it's <laughs> this long. To... But you know, it's like it's like that is that's our role. That's 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 not, you know, I think in the book I talk about this idea of like, oh, that's more work. Mm -hmm. But if we rethink of that and say it's not more work, it's the work. Yeah. The work. Yeah. And e that. even the even this uh, the the idea of lobbying for play, like. I did stuff also with elementary trying to reimagine recess and, yeah. and having loose parts and more play and less rules and all that kind of stuff. The children, all the ages, once they know, oh, it's, it's okay that we can build with these boards and drag them around the playground. And do, oh, it's okay. We can do this. Yes. It's okay. Once yeah. they know it's okay, they're off to the races, rock and roll and, you know, going for it, right? They're playing, they're playing, they're being yeah. they're you know, all that kind of stuff. But, the work is the adults, the, the talking with the other adults and getting people on board and, and working it through and the, the hierarchy of adult and children and or the way things always were or the rules mm -hmm. that you think. It's like the that's the that's that hard, the hard work. So that again, it's like so that you're protecting that space so children can just yeah. Mm -hmm. So in some ways it's like the observation and the being with children, even though that is that is difficult and challenging and uh -huh. you know and very such important work but it's like that that uh, that outside around the outside working with the adults and the rules and all that kind of yeah. stuff because because that's a reality right there are yeah. people looking in from the outside not understanding um using their own lenses of you know their own comfort levels and and we maybe it's an opportunity maybe it's a responsibility maybe it's both um to, to spend time helping them see what you see 
or helping them understand that there is intention behind what you're doing. I think for a lot of people who really believe that they should just, that they just want to have a space for children to just to be children and to play, um, still feel that pressure, whether it's your directors popping in with a tour or, you know, the parents who are there, families who come in to pick up and see, you know, maybe what looks to them like something is unsafe or something is unstructured. Um, that's, that's where, that's where we have a strong role. Um, and, uh, but, but also I feel like that for them, they feel like, oh, I, it's just too hard to, to have all those different conversations with the people who are looking in that I feel this pressure. But I mean, even now I'm a, I'm a firm believer. I, my mind has changed about weapon play, but there are still times when I, when I was working with young children a few years ago, would stop it just because I didn't want to have the conversation with the other adult yeah. in the room. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's an important piece of this lobbying yeah. or advocating or whatever too. Yeah. 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 It can be totally intimidating to have to, yeah, uh, justify or have the right language to talk to teachers mm-hmm. or licensing or the director or whoever. Yeah. About what you're doing that you know in your heart is right Mm -hmm. but to have the words or the you know and is that really my job to have to do that or whatever whatever so we limit it or we take away recess or running on recess on elementary levels we've heard of all sorts of wacky stories or that we don't push back against you know licensors who are like you can't i've heard like you can't have spoons in your sand area metal spoons or (laughs) You know, whatever. You know, there's a, there's is a that a risk? Thing. Are they afraid of injury because of metal spoons? Yeah. It's like, That's well, so what do they eat with? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh. But, but that, I mean, I think that's the thing that's kind of uh, gotten us in trouble now. And we're so far Yeah. that we've kind of had like, they're like, oh, I don't have the energy or it's a little too yeah. intimidating or, or that, but so that's why play has that beat poetry line of all those things that happen <laughs> yes. because we've sort of like just we shut down a little bit yeah. so i feel like now now's the time it's yeah. a good time as any but it's even more desperately the time now to like all right you early childhood amazing professionals who do yeah. such important work on the planet it's like you know your stuff and yeah. you know in your heart what's right and you've also studied and continued to grow and think and read and, and converse and you know it's like you can form those words you yeah. can and and they are everybody is i'm learning you know i i learn just because i see amazing people doing amazing things right but there's also people who are still kind of kind of learning those chops of like how you do that but the children I I keep saying sort of sort of joking but mostly not joking um that this is a perfect time for this kind of advocacy because there's such a shortage of early childhood staff right now no one's going to get fired unless they're absolutely Ah. absolutely posing harm you know harming children so now's the time to flex your play muscles a little bit um, because they need you. And uh, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what message that's sending if I'm going to get myself into trouble. But I, I feel like that's one of our um, opportunities in a bad situation is that um, we we can really be more intentional and comfortable and um, proactive about the, the things we believe about play. 
during this shortage. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to yeah. make light of it because I know that that really is a problem. The shortage really is a, an issue and causing some stress, but I feel like it's also an opportunity. Well, I think you certainly got more clout during the pandemic. Yeah. Like when early childhood settings were not in in session mm-hmm. and parents were like, oh my gosh, we're, we're, we're desperate. And then the workplaces, yeah. you know, they could, if the, teacher, if the parents couldn't, you know, go to work and then like society rests on the shoulders yeah. of, of early childhood educators. So I always think like, well, if you all banded together, man, you could, yes. you could yeah, you can get yeah. a lot, you have, you do have clout and there is incredible importance and, you know, yeah. maybe new people realized it and, and maybe there's new things that you could lobby for. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a whole other topic and a whole other episode, but, you know, then that the whole conversation about the learning loss that happened during the pandemic comes in and crushes a lot of that, um, even in, you know, programs for children under five, because, um, because we feel that academic push down pressure. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that's a, I guess that's an element we have to be aware of as we as we advocate for ourselves and our work in this time. Last, any last thoughts, Rusty? Things you wanted to say that I I didn't let you say? <laughs> no, I mean, Before great we conversation. We could just keep yeah. going on and on and on. Yeah, I'm just so glad you're out out here having these conversations. Oh. Thank you. That's people, nice. Yeah. 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 I'm, I've been keenly aware through this whole conversation. I feel like I'm babbling and not making sense. Um, and it's probably just because I hold you in awe. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, I mean, I know, you know, That's Mike Huber nice. and he likes to listen to the podcasts and then, uh, plan episodes where he challenges me to talk more about something that didn't make sense so through this whole episode I'm oh. always like oh Mike's gonna ask about that Mike's oh, gonna want to yeah. ask What's about that gonna so. say? Gonna... <laughs> um okay well thank you so much for, for taking yeah. time and being yeah. willing to have this conversation um you're I, I hope you'll come back again yeah uh, keep it going put you on the spot while we're still recording and you have no option but to say oh yeah oh, i'd love to he be said back it. on he said it. <laughs> everyone heard him say it was okay um any but I no want, thank you thank you very much oh good for your work for the book um you've got uh, is there anything you want to plug you've got a youtube channel oh yeah um uh, i mean my newsletter you've got a website you've got yeah. yeah i got a website rustykeeler.com and you know i like to put out a newsletter with resources and funny things i do kind of yeah. like a fun film Friday, just these little, you know, a couple minute clips of, you know, nature play, risky play, weird, you know, fun stuff that has something to do with the topic here. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and help okay. people think about their yards. Oh, here, I'm going to go on. Keep, keep this recording. Go ahead. I'm recording. <laughs> Still going. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I also help people with their yards or think things through and, you know, consult about how to like add nature, improve their yards, think about play, any budget, any yard, any budget. Yeah. That kind of stuff too. And that's always yeah. fun. That's I love it. Yeah. I love it. I know I've used some of your videos lately um, because like a local program is completely redoing their, their playgrounds. And I was like, oh, before you make any decisions, watch yeah. some of these. So I there appreciate it. Appreciate it. Good. All right. Thanks again, Rusty. Yes. Thanks, thanks everybody for listening to another episode and we'll see you again next week. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on.
This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.